Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organizations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. What I'd like to talk to you about today is, as a candidate looking for a new job, how incredibly important it is for you to be able to articulate your key achievements and your transferable skills. And having worked in the recruiting industry for a very long time and having interviewed literally thousands of candidates and having uh, coached uh, hundreds of senior executives through their job search, again, this is something that people rarely do well. I think that for Australians, we're not natural self-promoters. I can't speak about Americans or English candidates uh, with any degree of authority. I've never really recruited in those markets, but certainly in Australia, people don't want to blow their own trumpet. And I find it really fascinating that, you know, I'll talk to senior executives who will say to me, Richard, uh, I am very comfortable promoting my employer. Uh, I'm very comfortable in saying that we are the best at what we do. And because we're so awesome, you should do business with us. But when it comes to talking about myself, um, I'm really adverse to doing that. And I suppose in a recruitment process as a candidate, it is your one opportunity to blow your own trumpet. In fact, it's absolutely essential for you to do that. If you don't do that, then the likelihood is you're not going to get the job that you're hoping for. So um, being able to articulate your key achievements and transferable skills becomes a paramount and critical element of how you take yourself to the market. Uh, There's an expression in sales, uh, which is you sell the sizzle, not the steak. And for those people who are not familiar with that expression, you know, basically what it means is that if I go down to the local RSL and they have a menu, on the menu there'll be steak and chips, 25 bucks. And basically, you know, that's it. Uh, Steak and chips, 25 bucks. It might say rump steak or it might say I fill it steak or whatever, but you know, there's not a lot of detail there. If you go to a very fancy steak restaurant, and probably one of the more fancy steak restaurants in Brisbane now is Cha 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 or Walters or whatever, you take your pick. I must admit, I do love a good steak. Uh, and the, uh, the waiter comes over to you and they say, let me tell you about our special steak of the day. This is a Wagyu with a marble score of nine plus. It was hand reared by Tibetan Buddhist monks on the east facing side of Mount Kosciuszko. It only drank rainwater uh, and was reared in an environment where it listened to classical music every day. And anyway, blah, blah, blah. You probably know what I'm talking about. They talk up this piece of steak as if it's... Uh, you know, um, something absolutely incredible, and it's $85, and it doesn't even come with chips. Um, But then they talk about the chips being, you know, cooked in duck fat, and uh, the salt being Himalayan rock salt, and blah, blah, blah. You get the picture. Um, And so you go, wow, you know, I, I, I have to buy that $85 steak, even though the reality is that that steak is probably not much different 
to the $25 stake from the RSL. So the idea of sell the sizzling of the stake is if you're a manager and you've worked in an organization and you've had responsibility for managing a team and uh, performing your managerial tasks, and this doesn't just apply to managers, by the way, it applies to any candidate, you have to be able to sell the sizzle. Managing six people is stake. Uh, Being able to increase revenue by 57%, to reduce costs by 27%, to vastly improve employee retention or employee satisfaction surveys, or reduce uh, lost time injuries by 27%. You know, these are the things that make you different. This is the sizzle. Um, These are the things that you need to use as the basis for your CV and your LinkedIn profile. When a recruiter or an organization looks at your CV or your LinkedIn profile, they want you to, for want of a better term, to look sexy. They want you to. They want to go. Wow! Look at the things that this person has achieved. They they must be awesome. Uh, we definitely have to interview them. This is especially important when you are going for roles which are outside of your same job, same industry. If you've read my book, Uncover the Hidden Job Market, I talk about four quadrants. Same job, same industry, different job, same industry, same job, different industry, and different job, different industry. And uh, rather than getting into the nuts and bolts of that, if you want to learn more about that, feel free to read my book. But basically, recruiters are only good at putting square pegs in square holes. If you're waiting for a job to come to seek, and you're an applicant, and you are not a same same, uh, uh, same job, same industry person, The high likelihood is, unless you've got massive sizzle, unless you've got amazing key achievements and transferable skills, it is most likely that you won't get considered for the role. Recruiters put square pegs in square holes. I'll give you a specific example. Um, Without naming the organization, uh, a while ago, we were engaged to recruit the CEO of a Sunshine Coast-based not-for-profit. Uh, we offer a particular recruitment solution for 7.5% of package where we run a headhunting process to deliver a shortlist uh, and then the client closes out the balance of the recruitment process. And it's very popular in the not-for-profit spaces, I'm sure you can imagine, because for them, any opportunity to save money is a good thing. And in this instance, the chair retained me to recruit them a new CEO. Uh, and they're a disability-related not-for-profit. So basically, the first thing he said to me is absolutely mandatory for consideration. Uh, they must come from a C-level role, i.e. CEO, CFO, COO, etc. They must come from a C-level role within a disability not-for-profit. We absolutely need somebody who has got real credibility in running these types of businesses because the board is a voluntary board, We don't really know what we don't know, so this person's got to um, have the the strategy and the operational experience that comes from working in this kind of environment, one. Number two, NDIS is looming. Uh, For those people who are unfamiliar with NDIS, again, without really getting into it, uh, it's a government initiative that is fundamentally changing the way that not-for-profits are being funded. NDIS is is looming. 
We are really, really scared about what the implications are of NDIS for our business. So the person we employ must really understand NDIS. So that's number two. Number three, we know that post-NDIS, there's going to be a lot of M&A activity. Small not-for-profits will get absorbed. Uh, and so we need somebody who has worked on M&A activities within the disability not-for-profit sector. Four, we know that with the change in funding, the client has the uh, responsibility and the, and the choices to who they pay to deliver their services we know that we need to innovate in order to be successful. So this person must have delivered innovation again within our sector. And of course, number five, they have to be happy to live on the Sunshine Coast. So a very specific brief. We went to the market, we ran our headhunting campaign, we uh, identified some excellent people. 15 days later, we went back and we delivered them nine candidates who all met the brief some obviously better than others, but all of them met the brief in terms of those five key attributes. And because our 7.5% solution you know, essentially concludes there, about a month later, I rang the chair and I said, look, how did you go with recruiting your new CEO? And he said, fantastic, we ended up hiring a great person. They didn't come through you, although your people were excellent. We ended up hiring a person and that person was the general manager of a hospitality-related business on the Sunshine Coast. Now, that person, other than living on the Sunshine Coast, did not meet that brief at all. No NDIS, no not-for-profit, nothing relevant to the brief. And yet they were successful in getting the job. How did they get the job? Because they knew a couple people on the board and they were able to clearly articulate their key achievements and transferable skills. And as a result, the board chose to take a risk and employ this person. And 18 months later, having recently spoken to the CEO and to the chair, the CEO is doing a great job. He loves the organisation. The organisation love him. It's been a fantastic outcome. But if he had applied for the role through our process, he would not have even gotten a phone call. Not because he's not a good candidate, he obviously was a great candidate, but because he was not a square peg for a square hole. Recruiters are only putting square pegs in square holes, that's what they're being employed to do. So I suppose two things that come out of this. Number one is, he had the ability to get in front of his employer of choice uh, outside the recruitment process. But more importantly, he was able to clearly articulate his key achievements and transferable skills so that when compared with people who were square pegs for square holes, he still was the preferred candidate. Now, if you have difficulty in thinking about this, what I suggest that you do is you think about your more recent roles and you think about things that you've achieved there that you're most proud of and you frame these achievements up as star stories S-T-A-R, star, and what that means or uh, what that stands for, S is for situation. So what was the situation that you faced? T is task. What was the task or tasks that you were responsible for undertaking in order to deal with that situation? 
A, action, what were your actual actions, and R, what was the result? So instead of just saying, you know, I, I uh, delivered a successful project on time, on budget, and to the client's satisfaction, is to really flesh that out in terms of the star, situation, task, action, result. And if you use that as a guide and sit down and write these stories out, it'll be very easy then for you to start to frame it up in terms of making it very compelling. Um, These compelling stories are what you use in interviews in order to sell yourself for roles. And they're also what you need to summarize, uh, bring down to a very um, uh, brief uh, bullet point, which are, again, the things that you put on your CV and your LinkedIn profile to, um, uh, to sell your sizzle. So this podcast has been about the importance of articulating your key achievements and transferable skills. And if you read my book, Uncover the Hidden Job Market, I talk about this in a lot more detail. And uh, I hope that this helps you to be able to go out with a lot more confidence, presenting yourselves for opportunities and being successful in winning those and advancing your career. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us on the Arate Podcast with Richard Triggs. If you'd like a free copy of Richard Triggs' book, Uncover the Hidden Job Market, How to Find and Win Your Next Senior Executive Role, please visit uncoverthehiddenjobmarket.com to register your details. The Arate Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.